Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of The Woke Bros. I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazzy Lambray. Nando Vila is out this week, so I'm giving you guys a solo pod. Uh, just wanted to touch on a couple of things, man. Um, obviously, as you guys know, it's Black History Month, and... Um, you know, I, I just recently did, well, I did a recording. By the time this comes out, it'll be out on The Ringer, my, my show on The Ringer, Weekends with Wise. I did something with Tashawn Reed um, about race and the NFL, specifically as how race involves um, the hiring of black coaches or the lack of hiring of black coaches in that league. And, you know, Tashawn was, but he was telling me the reason why he wanted to do, why he wanted to do this podcast series that he's done um, is because every February, the same piece gets written about the NFL um, and their lack of diversity hiring in their head coaching ranks. And he was like, I didn't want to do the same old piece that comes out every single February. And so I decided this would be a more pronounced, it's, you know, way harder work. He's kind of been working on this for like, what, like a year and change, like 15 months uh, he's been working on this. Shit, nah. Yeah, like 15 months, 16 months he's been working on this. Um, and he was like, yeah, he wanted something with more teeth in it. And I was like, oh, word, I f- feel that. And as he's saying that, it dawned on me the the sort of the sad and cruel irony of the fact that the NFL coaching carousal and coaching carousel, what have you, happens every single February where coaches are being hired and fired, new coordinators coming in, being promoted because other coordinators have taken jobs, all of that kind of stuff. Um, that it happens in February. <laughs> and every every February, we are faced with the stark reality of how nothing has really changed much at all in the NFL um, in the eight, almost 10 years since the Rooney Rule. And just generally speak, actually, the Rooney Rule is more than 10 years old, but like, just generally speaking, how little um, of progress we've seen on, you know, the diversity hirings within the NFL. Now, you know, you guys know how I how I feel about diversity hires. Like to me, um, the NFL specifically, and I'll say the same thing about the NBA. 
to me, the, the lack of black coaches is a labor issue just as much, if not more, than it is a racial issue in so much as, to me, if 65% of the labor force that generates the billions and billions and billions of dollars that the NFL um, is able to attain through its various, you know, business partnerships and endeavors um, is black, then to me, it should stand to reason that the rest of the workforce should reflect that. And the reason why I feel that way is that it's, it's just my belief that the people who generate the value should get the most opportunities to extract said value from the sport, right? So what does that mean? The jobs, the ancillary jobs that aren't player jobs, whether it be coaches, trainers, management, you name it, um, consultants, whatever the case may be, um, all of these jobs that these owners have to pay out to folks to do jobs within the NFL. To me, those jobs have value. And so that to me, the people that should have right of first refusal are the players. Okay. And so, yeah, white players too, but because it's a predominantly black sport should be a bunch of black players participating in that um, value. You know, uh, yeah, I really do think it should be mostly ex players getting these coaching jobs, coordinated jobs, uh, you name it right position group coaches you know in the nfl like every position group has a coach wide receiver running back quarterback defensive line o-line secondary linebacker yeah those should be players in those positions those position groups you know and bringing up the ranks all of that to me the people who should have right of first refusal are the ex guys especially in the nfl where these guys put their bodies on the line and the average you know, career of an NFL player is less than two years or something like that. And I think you got to get, I think you got to play four years. It's either three of, I'm pretty sure it's four years you have to play to make book, um, which means you get a stipend um, uh, and you also get benefits, right? And again, these people are putting their bodies on the line, all of that stuff. Whatever. I say all of that. That's a digression. I'm just saying I, I, it's always been my belief that, yes, the lack of black coaches is a problem. But to me, that's because the freaking workforce, the labor force that derives all the value is predominantly black. And the idea that the rest of these jobs have to go to white dudes, <laughs> you know, who never played, who never put any value into the NFL. Um, this idea that these jobs need to go to those folks you know, it's silly to me. Um, this idea that, you know, a, a, a guy who, you know, did a cup of coffee in the NFL two, three years couldn't be just as good as Sean McVay or the rest of these guys who, the, like, for, and for the most part, these white guys do not have to play. They don't have to have the resume. Um, and the NBA is like that too. Uh, either you played or you you're not going to do the sort of, uh, you know, uh, Sam Hinkie, Sam Hinkie, or uh, Sam Presti, more specifically, even though he's really good at his job, just this idea that you never played, you have no connections to the actual league outside of the fact that you worked your way through the ranks. Black people don't really get those um chances. The reason why they become managers, 
um, man, part of management, excuse me, you know, GMs, presidents of basketball operations in the leagues because they were ex-players, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I think those routes that these white dudes are able to carve out for themselves within these leagues, I think this should be open to black dudes, of course. But I think, again, my thing is, like, ex-players absolutely should have the right of uh, first refusal. And, you know, if it turns out that a lot of them are bad and can't do it or whatever, um, cool, do something else. But in football, we know that ain't the damn case. These dudes know the game inside and out. Um, especially the people that have an interest in going into coaching. And even if they don't, they understand what they don't know and can delegate those responsibilities just like the white dudes do all the freaking time. Um, I say all of that to say, I'm talking to, to Sean um, and Black History Month serving as both how many things have advanced and changed within the country um, and for black people specifically within it. Um, black history has a way of doing that, but it also, Black History Month also has a way of reminding us quite starkly um, the things that continue not to change, which brings me to this story out in Jackson, Mississippi, which is pretty freaking nuts. Um, so Jackson, Mississippi is commonly known as quote unquote, the blackest major American city that we have. Um, it's about 80% black. Uh, obviously you guys know that Mississippi is the crown jewel of the antebellum South. I think oftentimes when we think of the quote unquote deep South, and all of the stereotypes and ugliness that we associate with the Deep South, what we're thinking about is actually Mississippi specifically, right? Um, you guys know it's the poorest state in the Union. Um, we talk about that all the time, but there's a story coming out of there in Jackson that is crazy. Um, so first, what um, you guys need to know about Mississippi specifically because it is like such a deep red state while also being by percentage one of the blackest states the way the government the state government shakes out in mississippi is that all of the all of the black politicians are democrats and all of the white ones are republican and so much to say that like all of the democrats period it's so deeply Republican that all of the Democrats at all in Mississippi basically are the black people. And all of the Republicans are white. You know, it's not like the federal government where, you know, of course, like the Republicans are majority white in their representation in the federal government, of course. But there's, you know, there's, you know, the Tim Scotts and the this and the that's. And of course, the Democrats are like, you know, white, um, Latinx, uh, Asian American, black, indigenous, you name it, it, it exists. But in Mississippi, because of the, the particular dynamics of that state, um, where it's so damn Republican, uh, literally all of the white people are Republican in that state. 
And so you get a situation where the majority state government, right, and they have a super majority because they've been able to gerrymander the shit out of um, the districts over there. And so the Republicans in the state house have a super majority. They basically get to do whatever the fuck they want to do. Obviously, the governor is Republican and Man, the freaking state legislator, mind you, like we all know the hypocrisy of Republican politics where it's like local rule. We like state government. We want the people to control their lives. We don't want the federal government or blah, blah, blah coming and, you know, sticking their nose in where it doesn't belong, blah, 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 except in the case of Jackson, Mississippi, where a white, a white supermajority of Mississippi House voted to create a separate court system and an expanded police force within the city of Jackson, the blackest city in America, that would be appointed completely by white officials. Now, um... Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher-turned-podcast producer, and I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum-sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Those of you who aren't familiar with what's going on in Jackson, um, they elected a fairly left black mayor, um, a brother by the name of um, Chokwe Lumumba. He's, you know, he's a Democrat. Obviously, he's got um, he's got some pretty left ideas for that area. And guess what? He won fair and square. Um, they've been trying to enact some of his policies. Uh, recently, there's been a water crisis in Mississippi. And, you know, um, he's been having a public spat with the governor of Mississippi, right? So this is sort of the backdrop that you guys need to know about what's going on in Jackson and why this is just so crazy to be happening in 2023 and why 
it's just so crazy that this is happening smack dab in the middle of Black History Month. Um, so I'm reading this from Mississippi Today. If House Bill 1020 becomes law later this session, the white chief justice of Mississippi Supreme Court would appoint two, two judges to oversee a new district within the city, one that includes all of the city's majority white neighborhoods, among other areas. So... <laughs> The, the 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 state government has effectively come in and autonomously carved out two, um two brand new districts within um the city of Jackson specifically in the predominantly if not all white areas um aka the richer parts of the capital Jackson Mississippi so they're essentially creating their own white government in this 80% black city. Or this is what they're trying to do. The white state attorney general would appoint four prosecutors, a court clerk, and four public defenders for the new district. The white state public safety commissioner would oversee an expanded capital police force run currently by a white chief. The appointments by state officials would occur in lieu of judges and prosecutors being elected by local residents of Jackson and Hines County, as is the case in every other municipality and county in the state. Mississippi's capital city is 80% black and home to a higher percentage of black residents than any major American city. Mississippi's legislator is thoroughly controlled by white Republicans who have redrawn districts over the past 30 years to ensure they can pass any bill without a single Democratic vote. Every legislative Republican is white. Most Democrats are black. Yeah. Again, we don't, <laughs> we don't see this type of racial, racialized governmental divide um, in national politics but in a state like mississippi like i said it's important to understand exactly how partisan and deeply republican the place is right and so these folks <laughs> these folks um are doing some crazy shit uh Mayor Lumumba, he's called this plantation politics. He's called this an apartheid state. Um, and here's some more from Mississippi Today. Excuse me. Representative Blackman, a civil rights leader who has a decades-long history of championing voting issues, equated the current legislation to Jim Crow era 1819 constitution that was written to strip voting rights from black Mississippians. This is just like the quote. This is a quote from um, Blackman. This is just like the 1890 constitution all over again. Blackman said from the floor of the vote, we are doing exactly what they said they were doing back then. Quote unquote, helping those people because they can't govern themselves. Now, of course, as with anything, this action has been taken under the guise of, you know, allegedly the crime is so bad in Mississippi and these people, 
they clearly can't help or govern themselves. And so um, we need to uh, we need to come in and do it for themselves, um, do it for them, because these savages can't govern themselves. And again, they're allocating state funds to expanding the police force, which to me just means, <laughs> especially since. And they're using this as like, okay, this is the capital of Mississippi, a.k.a., you know, this belongs to all Mississippians. We're going to expand the police presence there. And, you know, the the actual criminal justice system is now going to run all of it, not via judges and prosecutors who are accountable to all of the citizens, but judges and prosecutors and chiefs who are only accountable to one fifth of the population. Like it's, it's really just plain as day. Uh, the bill was authored by a guy named, um, Trey Lamar. He's a Republican representative, um, from a town called Senatobia, which is 180 miles North of Jackson. Like the guy who invented and <laughs> the guy who initiated and championed this bill isn't even from the county he's not from surrounding counties he's just somebody willing to do put his name on this dirty work um and yeah this is a, this is a quote from him this bill is designed to make our capital city of jackson mississippi a safer place lamar said citing numerous news sources who have covered Jackson's high crime rates, dwelling on a long backlog of Hines County court cases. Lamar said the bill was designed to help, not hinder the court system. My constituents want to feel safe when they come here. Lamar said, adding the capital city belong to all citizens of the state. Where I'm coming from with this bill is to help the citizens of Jackson and Hines County. Obviously this dude is being patronizing. Um, and it's disgusting. And again, like I said, it's just a reminder of how crazy and ugly some of this stuff can get, right? Um, the people of Jackson, they elect the people they want democratically. Obviously, these people have a capacity for self-government. They're doing their thing. They're electing left-leaning left politicians trying to enact left-leaning policies, right? Um, and of course... When the the sort of state government fails its citizens, these people are talking about it. Their their elected official is coming out and being like, "Yo, this is bullshit. This water crisis wouldn't happen in the more affluent parts of the state." So at least the response wouldn't be so lacking. And you know they're being punished for it. And you know again, I think in a I think in a different state like somewhere like Georgia, not Georgia, excuse me, somewhere like Texas or even Florida. I think because it's a lot more diverse, um, even across Republican lines, it's more diverse. There would be an understanding of the ugliness involved with this and why it would be foolhardy to participate in this type of thing. But, you know, we saw it with the welfare scandal in Mississippi where Brett Favre is, is you know, Texan politicians to use millions from the welfare fund to 
make his daughter's volleyball locker room and facilities prettier than they currently are at, at um, Southern Michigan Welfare. It's supposed to go to the most marginalized and poor people in Mississippi. Like, you can only take those brazen acts when there's just absolute rule in a place. And even in these little pockets, when Republicans like to spout all of this crap about, you know, self-government, um, big government is terrible. We don't need Big Brother coming in and, and telling us what to do and giving us orders, et cetera, et cetera. That shit is all hogwash, man. Um, when the power is left unchecked, um, ugliness can happen like this in Mississippi. And like I said, this is this is about as nasty as racial politics get in this country. Uh, the idea that a party would just unilaterally decide that the citizens of a, of a major city in their state no longer deserve the right to govern themselves via the people they've democratically elected um, is is just crazy. Uh, it's definitely a story that's worth worth monitoring, and is and again, it's definitely um, just horrible in lieu of Black History Month. Uh, you feel me? And so, yeah, I just wanted to bring that to you guys's attention. And the last thing that I wanted to talk about before we get out of here, man, that I think you guys would be interested in because it speaks to some of the things that uh, we try to cover on this show. Um, and that's this train derailment in Ohio, right? Um, This company called uh, Norfolk, Norfolk Southern had a train derailment in a town called East Palestine, Ohio. Um, basically, the investigation shows that because these people have no regulations, we've deregulated every single industry to crap. Uh, they let these tracks languish. They didn't want to spend the money to fix them. And they figured the damage that they would cause by something like this derailment and um, all of the the, the uh, sort of inconveniences it would cause, not to mention what can happen because, you know, chemicals were spilled in this thing. What could happen to waterways, air pollutions, all of that shit. Uh, they figured like, yeah, our little cleanup from that is way less than what it would mean to actually work safe and work in a way that protected the citizens, right, in the towns where we run our shit through. Um, and I did a story on this with TYT recently because these fools offered, I think, 50 Gs or something to the town as restitution for this, which is just comical for a corporation as huge as them to be like, yeah, it's 50 Gs. And you know, just it's just everything that's wrong with 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 our current system and how we treat these behemoths, right? Like, just the idea that there would be some rules that they would have to play by in order to make their money, to make sure that people were safe. Like, yo, make your money, but first, put these safeguards in place. First, make sure all your stuff is up to code, but first. 
like, just be thorough. We understand that it costs to do that. But, like, the safety and well-being of the citizens got to come before that. And, bro, if you... (laughs) I'm reading in the Washington Post about, you know, a recent meeting where government, um, local government officials and EPA people are there. Of course, Norfolk Southern, no representation at this shit. And they've since... I, you know, Joe Biden has come out and said they're going to pay restitution. They're going to do the right thing. We're going to hold them accountable, blah, 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 all of this shit. Um, and they recently had a meeting, a town meeting where like the citizens, they're fucking scared and rightfully so. And a lot of people, they're on YouTube. They've watched the show Chernobyl. And to be honest, man, I don't blame these folks because if you watch Chernobyl, the TV show on HBO, which I highly recommend. Um, All of the government, all of the people in the Soviet government came out and told these folks, don't worry, it's safe. We got it under control. Go back to work. Go back to your cribs. Don't even trip about this explosion. There's nothing toxic. There's nothing nuclear, blah, 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 blah. Everybody trusted them, went back. And people got fucked. People got sick. You know, you can go out and read all of the stuff that came out of Chernobyl. But, like, you know, people trusted the government to keep them safe. And they weren't. And, like, people went to this town hall and they're just like, bro, like, how do how can we trust you guys to hold these people accountable, one? And how can we trust you guys when you say that this stuff is safe? How do you know? You know, and to be fair, to be honest, there's no proof that anything, you know, toxic or whatever is happening to their waterways or their air or any of that stuff right now. There's no proof of that. Um, But the skepticism, I think, is warranted, man. Um, I think it's just a microcosm of all the shit that we're fucking up at right now. Um, and you really and you really do wonder if we can just change this collectively if people can stand up and be like yo like there are things that are more important than the bottom line there are things that are more important than profits and yes the safety and well-being of these folks in these towns man it's important and so yeah that Washington Post story it, it really just caught my eye because I was just like, man, it's kind of crazy. Like, media absolutely can be thought shaping. Mass media, um, it absolutely has the ability to form how people view the events that transpire around them. And you know, <laughs> when it's doing its best, you know, it is <laughs> making shit like Chernobyl, where it's like, yo, bro. It's very possible for the government to fail you. And it's absolutely necessary that we remain vigilant as a a populace, you know. Um, And so, yeah, man, I would encourage you guys to keep up with that um, Norfolk Southern story. Um, It's just crazy. And, you know, like I said, it relates to a lot of the shit that we do here on the show. Um, so that's our show for today. Wanted to just drop a quick solo app for you guys. Uh, next week, 
going to have a really dope, dope, dope guest, um, my man, Dr. Ball from Black Power Media. He's a professor of Africana Studies at Morgan State. Um, wanted to keep the Black History vibes going. And I wanted to, because he's got some really, obviously he's got some really radical politics, but I also think he's just got some really interesting viewpoints about how race and racial history is covered in popular and mass culture and also how the culture and the evolution of black culture is covered in mass media. Um, and, I, and I just wanted to bring him up here. I think he's got some fascinating thoughts on some things. And so he'll be up here next week. Uh, thank you to my brother, John Gervais, for producing. Make sure you guys become a Patreon at patreon.com backslash countedings. That's how we're able to put out uh, all of this amazing countedings product for you guys. Um, that's a cup of Starbucks a month over at patreon.com backslash countedings. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.